Broncos All-Decade Tackle Orlando Franklin. Two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown. Former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson. 104.3 The Fan welcomes you into the Players Club. Broncos defensive lineman Ioma Wazirike suspended for the entire season and actually cannot report back to the facility for an entire year. Mm-hmm. An entire year. First of all, if that was you, what would you do? For what an would entire you do year? For the next year, if you're Ioma Wazirike, your entire life has been a trajectory to be in the NFL. You made it to the NFL. You're working your way into the rotation. You played, spent last year as a rookie. You didn't get to suit up for all the games trying to improve your craft. You're going into your second year feeling excited. All of a sudden, boom, you get that call. You're done for the entire 12-month calendar year. Oh, Chad, what are you going to do with yourself? I'm throwing a pity party for myself for at least a couple days. Um, that's it? <laughs> that's it. And then probably, I'm calling, Mine's going to last probably a couple months. And then I'm calling Lauren Landau, and I'm getting the schedule going. Wow. And I cannot stay far away from this. You're, 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 you're banned from the facility, but you can't stay far away from football. you got to still stay engaged with it. Your football sword only stays sharp if you constantly work at it. You get away a year off from football, you struggle, struggle to get back into that if you don't stay honed into your craft and stay on top of it. So get with Lauren Landau, create a schedule. Maybe there's some times when other guys from the facility are coming over and you can talk with them. They can give you some insight of what's happening. You can continue to get on the whiteboard and draw plays. Keep your football sword as sharp as you possibly can. Yeah, you got to. Um, even with you keeping it as sharp as you can, it's still going to feel different a year from now when you get on the field for the first time. And you're still going to have to work through some th- things. When you're a guy like Wazirike is, he was on, he wasn't in the top first 25 guys on this chapter. So now you start thinking about your career. You have a unique opportunity right now to really transform your body and transform kind of everything about you, knowing that you don't have to play football. You're not going to be playing football, but you better stay in that weight room. You better look at it as getting bigger, stronger, and faster, where now you walk in and guys, people are just like, whoa, we want him on our football team because it might be a situation where you have to try out for many teams, where you the door might sh- Shut close because of where you were drafted and and not having a lot of you know you know skins on the wall in this league. So it's going to be very interesting to see how he comes out of this thing. But I, I think that you got to go with the chat approach. You can't sit there for a couple weeks and just you know shame on me and and have the pity party because the, these guys are out there working. I would try to develop a schedule if it was me that that kind of mimics what these guys are getting ready to go through. So I know that I can't go through training camp, but what if I could get to, you know, some kind of practice or maybe get on a arena football league team or something like that to try to keep my body ready for that? Because going away from it for a year and then coming back out there, you're susceptible to injuries as well. So July 24, 2024, the first time even any Broncos officials can contact him. Mm-hmm. He's alone with That's- this. He has no support from his team, mm-hmm. from his support staff. We, you know, we've heard KJ Hamler talk very candidly and openly about the mental health issues he went with when he was on injured reserve. And he had the support of his team. He could come in here to the facility. He could talk to anybody at the building. Yomo Wazirike will have none of that. That's another thing that they need to change, too. Like, with this, I get it. You suspend him for the year, but all the way until next July, that's when a team could contact him. What about OTAs? 
Like, give these guys a fighting chance, right? It's not like a Calvin Ridley situation where you get suspended for a year and a team will trade for you because you're one of the best pure uh, route runners out there in the league. Like, this young man's career is going to absolutely suffer because of it, but because of the timing of it and the fact that no team can contact him all the way until July next year. I think the, the no contact thing is probably the most painful part of it all. The fact that you're suspended, you know, if you play football long enough, you've missed games, you've been forced to sit out, but the fact you can't have any contact with anybody, they have cut off your, your lifeline to, you know, so for somebody who's in a vulnerable situation like Awazarike, who made some questionable decisions around gambling, now you're just going to set him adrift? There's, there's, there's no help. There's no, he can't show up to the facility and meet once a week with the player programs guy and do a, a download and do a check in. They've done this before, the NFL has, with guys with drug suspensions. You take this guy who plays football, has his community in the locker room, people who he wants to be a, t- be teammates with, and then you set him, set him adrift and you give him no opportunity to be connected to this thing that's so important towards his recovery. It's a, it's a very, backwards thinking process by the NFL that I think puts these guys in an even worse position mentally. So back when I played for the Broncos, um, the trainer, Steve Antonopoulos, we knew him as Greek, had been there for a, a really long time. And at the beginning of every training camp, you know, we'd have a variety of presentations from the different departments on the team. Um, one of them would be from Greek. He'd be talking about doing your rehab, being in there on time and hydrating and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, but we also talked about the drug policy and the drug testing policy. And we always knew when it was coming around. We've talked about that on this show. You know when it's coming. The street drug test. Steroids, those are all year round. Those are quote unquote random. So you walk into the locker room in September or November, whatever. There's a note in your locker. You have two hours to produce a sample. Um, but the street drugs test is once a year. And Greek would st- stand there in front of us and say, look, if you can't pass this test, either you are st- stupid or you have a problem. Mm-hmm. Either way, you need help. Mm-hmm. Okay, we talked about the addictive nature of gambling. Is it possible that one of these guys needs help and is being cast adrift alone without any resources to provide him that help? You talked about the the disclaimer at the end of some of these gambling uh, commercials. If you have an addiction, you see... If you're actually, I mean, if you're aware of that side of it and that reality, maybe there are these players who are getting popped for it and we're all calling them stupid. Maybe they actually have a problem and maybe they need help. Yeah, but at the same time, the NFL does, um, do we know that with this suspension, are you cut off from like all your benefits as well and what the NFLPA provides for you? Because there is a certain amount of free counseling sessions that you get each and every year and you can see like a psychologist or, um, a, a, a psychiatrist; those are different. Right? You can see a, a like a counselor or like a, a therapist, like a ther- like a therapist or like a, a head specialist. Like a, if I'm saying that correctly, right now. But like I would try to urge this guy to, to to take advantage of that if that's still available to him. And I would hope that they wouldn't take that away from him during a, a time like this. I would hope not. I would hope not. But again, to, to cut people off from their community, uh, hey man, you got suspended for drugs. You're, you're kicked out the league for a year, and you can't have any contact with anybody at your team. Um, that is not the way to set somebody who's in a very vulnerable mental place uh, off a, onto a path of recovery. Well, this USA Today interview that we're talking about with Sean Payton, where he gave um, you know some nuanced thoughts about it. Um, 
At the time of this interview a couple days ago, Peyton said he hadn't spoken with Wazirike since contact and support from the team is not allowed per the policy like we just talked about. Peyton himself understands this. He was prevented from having any contact with coaches, staff, players, or league office personnel during his ban, which was what season was that that he had to sit out, 11 or 12 or something like that, just a couple years removed from winning the Super Bowl. But when Sean Payton was banned, if he had inadvertently encountered someone, um, as was the case with the Dallas Cowboys linebacker while he lived in Dallas during the suspension, he had to report it to then-NFL Executive Vice President of Football Operations, Ray Anderson. Quote from Sean Payton, part of that is finding out, hey, what is the protocol? What is allowed, Payton said. Do we want to see these guys return? When they want to kill somebody, when I got suspended, it was, you can't have any contact with anybody in the NFL. The idea that I'm going to call somebody and say, you need to be running these plays is foolish. The question is, what's the intent of the punishment? I know what Roger's intent was for me, do we want these young men to still have a chance to learn from their mistakes? Exactly what I'm talking about. This this policy is so punitive, and, and that seems to be the focus, rather than helping somebody learn from their mistake, helping somebody recover if they've got an addiction. They've been, the league's been doing this since uh, since my rookie year. Guys would get suspended and set adrift uh, for drug issues, and guess what? Their drug issues never really went away because there was no support from the team and league when players need that at their most. How do you get support in a, a situation like this? Like That's we know, question, if you have drug problems, you go to AA, and yeah. if, you, if you say you you get anger right, or you anger issues, you go to a uh, anger management, right? But how how do you get help for uh, like gambling? That's a really good question because it's new territory for everyone. Like yeah. the, the NFL is just now embracing the, the the gaming world. Yeah, no, I agree with everything, right? And I think that the NFL needs to do a better job of of counseling everybody that's a part of it, not even just looking at the players. I, I think they, they should reach out to family members as well and, and create better expectations for family members and, and really get them to understand what this young man is going through that just became a one percenter in, the, in this world and, and how you know that contract is broken down and, and just life after football, but life during football. I think the NFL is dropping the ball with how they help their, the players and the community of the NFL, but it'd be just very interesting to me as, as far as how you help a person that got caught up with gambling do you just tell them that you, you just can't do it like like how do you let them uh, how do you learn from your mistakes in a situation like this yeah it does put the broncos in a tough spot because obviously they care about this young man they drafted him um they see him every day but they cannot reach out to him they can't check on him and see if he's okay all right guys we've got our fan war room camp comeback special tomorrow at noon uh from brothers barbecue off i-25 in rapo and right now Right now, we're giving away a $50 Brothers gift card to caller number four. 303-713-1043. Pick up your phone. Call it if you love delicious barbecue. $50 gift card right now to caller number four. 303-713-1043. All right, when we get back, we are going to dive into our MVP of the running back room. Who's that going to be? That's next. Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Stepping up. Stepping up. Stepping up. Stepping up. Open says I'm me. Here comes Rastaman. There you go, Chad. 
I want to hear you really go for it. That's not you going for it. I want, I, like you're in your shower, Chad. Or like you're in your car, Chad. Or like a, it's been a night of... <laughs> It's been a night of sushi and Japanese whiskey for you, Jeff. <laughs> and you get home and you burn something. Some incense. Some incense. There's some smoke in the air, Chad. That's the Chad Brown I want to hear. All right. Come over. <laughs> Come, Come over to the house. It'll be fun. From the RamosLaw.com text line, referring to the conversation we are just having about the struggles the Broncos have and uh, Yomo Wazirike. They can't contact them. They can't help them, but from the Ramoslaw.com text line, employers don't exist to help employees. They exist to use employees. That is an amazingly true statement. You are absolutely correct, Texter. Um, <laughs> we just, for, to give the player best chance for success, uh, I think we would recognize it. Some help from the NFL, some help from the Broncos would give Owazarike or any player suspended for any reason the best chance for success. But to your point, that is absolutely true. I can't push back on that. Um, also from the Ramoslaw.com text line saying, um, most of these guys declare for the draft early, I'd go back to school. Try mm-hmm. to finish and have all the resources you need. Would you think he would be able to go back to school? Uh, Do some educational things. I'm sure Iowa State would have him back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure he could do some online classes. Some internship or something. Yeah. yeah. I would advise him that. Yes, work on football stuff. But work on something else. Pick up a hobby. Get good at something else because football is going to end at some point, right? But maybe go back to Iowa State, take a couple of classes, get a chance to work with the football team, stay around football, stay engaged with it. You're in a football facility. You know, somebody could, you know, hey, man, go to the uh, the film crew over here at the Broncos and say, I need a DVD of this game. Can you give me a DVD of uh, the Chiefs defense or offense or something? And, and send it to one to a Ross And he can stay caught up. They can't this. do that. They can't have contact with him. If it just shows up at the Iowa State facility, then they oh, it's it, Iowa State. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're you're talking about going around the rules and, and I'm just saying I'm just saying if you want to stay engaged with football, there's a way to stay engaged with football. Or you could just go and get NFL total access and pay <laughs> the couple dollars and then go watch the coaches all twenty two. Right? You know we get that for free since we play in the NFL. Oh, even better if yeah. he gets it for free. But that's something I would subscribe to. That I would want to go watch the film. And if I am this young man, I'm watching the tape. Okay, what play is that? What what do we call that? Like, see if I could recognize what we're doing defensively and know what that terminology was, right? To try to just keep those skills sharpened as best as possible. If you guys were to rank the quarterbacks in the AFC West, Orlando, how would you rank them? The quarterbacks in the AFC West, I would say Patrick Mahomes, one. Um, Justin Herbert, two. (laughs) Um, uh, as of right now, wow. Jimmy three G and four. or Russell W? Uh, I, I would actually go at Russell W at three. Just And, and that is not because of the on-the-field product, to be honest with you. That's more of the availability. Mm. Jimmy's fragile. Yeah, like I, I, I don't see Jimmy Garoppolo playing 17 games for the Las Vegas Raiders this year. He just always gets banged up. Do you see Russell Wilson playing 17 for the Broncos? Yes. Yes, I do see it. I think last year... You know, him getting hurt and banged up a little bit. I think he, some of that was a little bit avoidable. You know, the one concussion where he kind of knocked himself out trying to go for the tackle. That's avoidable with a better ball on his part. Uh, the hamstring, 
uh, running around. I don't think that Sean Payton's going to design an offense that has Russell Wilson, you know, going balls to the wall trying to outrun people this year. Um, so I think some of his injuries are a little bit avoidable. Balls to the wall is a funny statement. <laughs> balls to the wall? Well, where did that come from? Have you ever put your balls to the wall? Oh, goodness. Okay, so that list of quarterbacks you just put out there, um, the number two guy on that list, Justin Herbert, just signed a new deal, didn't he, Chad? He absolutely did a record uh, deal. Five years, $262 million extension. So in total, it's a seven-year, $292 million deal. Wow. Takes Justin Herbert to uh, the 2029 season where he'll be 31 years old. Wow. He has the most guaranteed, um, I'm sorry, third most guaranteed. He's behind Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson. He does have the highest per year average of $52.5 million, ahead of Lamar Jackson's $52 million, and just ahead of Jalen Hurts' $51 million. Is this deserved for a guy who hasn't won a playoff game yet? I think it's clear to anybody who watches football, this dude is the real deal. Um, the, the, the Chargers' lack of success has very little to do with Justin Herbert and where he's at. Really? Yeah. Really. Okay. Yeah, this, this deal is fully deserving. Uh, Justin Herbert is the best player on that football team. He is the most important person to that franchise. He has came in, showed that he could handle it on the football field, also handle it off the football field. He hasn't been a distraction to this football team. And he clearly has all the skill sets. Like, it's not like you look at Justin Herbert and you're looking at his, for his replacement. You're looking at Justin Herbert and saying, how long could, could we, can he possibly play for us? So I, I love this deal. I love the Chargers got it out the way as fast as possible as well. Joe Burrow's next. Yeah. Joey B. Joey B. Uh, who's the better quarterback? Joe Burrow. Why? Because yeah. uh, Joe Burrow can be successful even with, you know, four replacement offensive line men in front of him in a playoff game. You know how difficult that is to do? To play behind replacement offensive linemen is difficult enough. But to do it in a playoff game against a playoff caliber team and then come out with a victory, uh, yeah, tip of the cap. Joe Burrow is the next uh, Tom Brady as far as cool and calm in the pocket, super efficient, getting the ball out of his hands, all that stuff. His offensive line was setting records in the playbook and not the good ones. Yes. The, the bad records. Mm. Well, I was just playing a little devil's avocado there yeah. with Justin Herbert. I think he's pretty fantastic as well. You got to remember, though, that was a 10-win team last year. They were 10-7, and seven, made the playoffs, went on the road to Jacksonville, and uh, had that thing in the bag at halftime. They were up 27-7, to seven, and um, they, uh, what's it called? Um, they laid an egg. Yeah, they laid an egg. I was thinking of something else I couldn't <laughs> say. But uh, they laid an egg. You remember in that game? Um, Trevor Lawrence threw four interceptions in the first half mm-hmm. and four touchdowns in the second half. Mm-hmm. They, the Chargers and Joe Lombardi took the heat for this. He's now our offensive coordinator here, by the way, guys. He was the Chargers' offensive coordinator last year, and they didn't run the ball at all in the second half and uh, put it in Justin Herbert's hands, and he didn't have the greatest of games, and those guys lost that game. But I do believe the Chargers are going to get better this year. I'm going to go out on a limb, guys, and, think, and say that the Chargers are going to win the AFC West. Wow, over really? the Chiefs, huh? They are going to win over the Chiefs. I think that they've been fig- like slowly knocking on the door of trying to figure out how to beat the Chiefs. They always give them a good game. I think they're going to figure it out this year. I think the Chiefs have a little bit of a hangover and are going to make the playoffs, but they're going to be a wild card team, and they're going to have to go on the road Wow! in the playoffs. I do think the Chargers are going to be a, a very good team this year. Not so much the Raiders, though. Bold prediction. Yeah, bold Nate. prediction time. Um, but... Um, we're not going to go all the way down that road, but Jimmy G is coming here for the first game of the season. Um, 
<sighs> you talked about the fragility of Jimmy G and, and the fragile nature of, you know, his body, his injuries that he's had. Yeah. Russell Wilson has missed time the last two seasons. What makes you think, oh, that he's going to be able to play 17 games, like you said? Um, I think Sean Payton's going to be more about getting Russell, getting the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands. I think, uh, I think Bronco country might be frustrated at times because there's going to be a lot of dinking and dunking, but it's going to be more about what can Jerry Judy do after the catch? What can Tim Patrick do after the catch? What can all of these guys do? After the catch, and hey, Russ, you don't have to go out there and just be surgical and hold on to the ball and throw the perfect ball where now, you know, every single time you get it to this wide receiver, it's a first down. No, that, that you, you might be some plays where it's designed where it's third and eight. Jerry Judy's catching that thing at six yards down the field, and now he has to go get the two. So I think you're going to take a little bit off of Russell Wilson's plate, and, and that's going to end up keeping him a lot more healthier. You don't have to be the hero, Russell. And uh, that's why that running game is important. We're going to hit the running backs when we get back. But starting Friday, our analysis of training camp, guys, 2023 will be presented by Zing Small Business Marketing Services. Our running back MVP of the 2023 season, we're going to decide. That's next. Admitted VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Oh, it is awesome. It's an awesome day. It's Chad Brown Day. There it is. It's 94. 94, man. Tell us about it, Chad. It's a special, special number. What makes it so special? Other than the fact that you wore it on your back. That says it all right there. Why'd you wear it? But also, uh, why did I wear it? Yeah, man. Because I wore 44 in high school. I wore 34 with the Colorado Buffalo, so I had to go with a 4. And 54 did not look right on me, so I chose 94 my rookie year. And then with the Steelers... Greg Lloyd was 95, Kevin Green was 91, LeVon Kirkland was 99. We were the linebackers of the 90s. Wow. Just didn't want to go 74, huh? <laughs> yeah, so both of you guys had the four in there. What, what was it about the four that it attracted you guys? Uh, I just liked how it looked, yeah. honestly. Um, Me too. Well, I wore 75 in high school, and I started warming up to kind of the look of 74, but, but then... When I got to the University of Miami and then kind of heard like the history of that number, Eric Winston was wearing that number at that point. He was my host on my official visit to UM. And before Eric Winston, Eric Winston wore it, there was a guy by the name of Sherka Hajim, and he was actually Canadian. Went to Sir Johnny McDonald that was literally probably about a mile and a half away from where I grew up in Toronto, Canada. So I was like, ah, it's fate, it's destiny, got to go with 74. Love it. Charles Haley, Hall of Famer. Yeah. First player with five Super Bowl rings. Wow. DeMarcus Ware. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of good ones. Ty Warren. Ty Warren. Cam, Cam Jordan down with the Saints. Uh, Robert Smith, hardworking dude, used to play. Justin Smith, sorry, used to play with the uh, yeah. 49ers. Oh, Keith Tractor Trailer came into the league as a linebacker, grew into a massive defensive lineman. Robert Quinn. There we first, go. Um, off, first defensive lineman taken in the draft in a first round known what they bring to him as he's being drafted. Whoa. He had a brain tumor at that point, yeah. Okay. That's a fun fact. Domitile Pecco. Mario what, what Williams. Come Dom- again. Domitile Pecco. Domitile Pecco. Yeah. Pecco. Yes. I don't know that person. No. You sure when? you don't. When? Luther Ellis. Oh, I know Mario. Luther Ellis. Yeah. Okay. Leonard Floyd. Yeah. Preston Smith still playing football. Yeah, there's a, 94's got some, some power behind it. I'm feeling Big good about my numbers. Some skins on the wall. Oh. 
Big Al? Yeah. Ah. Who wore it best, huh? Mm. Who wore it best? That's an interesting conversation. Yeah. I, think, Chad uh, Chad Brown. I think 15 years. I mean, hey. Can't beat Chad I mean, Brown. that's hard to beat. Uh, Alan does have Super Bowl rings, so sometimes that, that trumps everything. Yeah, but your John Muir Mighty Mighty Mustangs have rings. We, we won Chad 32 Brown. in a row, yo. And, I'd rather have that than have a Super Bowl ring. Really? Oh, yeah, any day. The <laughs> <laughs> lie detector test determined. That was a lie. <laughs> All right, guys. The running backs. Figured to be an integral part of the success of this offense this year. It, it wasn't last year. It wasn't relied upon like we thought it was going to be. The, the leading rusher on this team last year, Latavius Murray, didn't even start the season on the team. Ended up with 703 yards. Melvin Gordon... Uh, played in 10 games last year, had 318 yards and uh, four fumbles. <laughs> and outside of that, there wasn't a lot of production in the running game. Javante Williams was hurt after four games, only had 204 yards on the ground. Russell Wilson was the third leading rusher with 277 yards last year. Um, so so there's a lot of yards out there up for grabs That because uh, so, Latavius Murray is gone. Javante Williams didn't have anything last year, so it's, it seems as if it's going to be Javante's job if 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 he's healthy. He has been cleared, but is he ready? That's a discussion we had earlier, and that there is a distinction between the two. But if you're looking at that running back room, Javante Williams is your starter. Samaj P. Ryan has been brought in to be the one-two punch guy, great third down guy, jack of all trades, and has been at this for a long time. Very smart player and reliable. Um, backed up Joe Mixon last year in Cincinnati and actually got him off the field. Um, quite often because of Samaji Pirine's skill set. Also, Tony Jones Jr., Tyler Batty, young fellas we don't know a lot about, and then Michael Burton, a fullback. Orlando, if you had to choose an MVP of this room, who's it going to be? i got to go with Samaji Pirine. I think he's going to be a constant from day one, and I think once the season starts, Javante Williams will be on a pitch count. I don't think Javante is going to be full go. I think, you know, you're going to look at week one and probably try to get him about 10 to 15 reps out there. You know, it's not going to be just, hey, let's cut it loose. It's going to be more, how does he feel the day after? I don't think the Broncos are going to do a lot of contact drills during training camp. I don't think their their veterans and the starters are going to play a lot of snaps during preseason. But I still think they're going to slow play this thing. And with Samaji Piran, he understands exactly what he's out there to do. He understands his assignment. Um, he's a physical back. He's out there on third down. He understands blitz pickup and pass pr- protection responsibilities. So I think ultimately he's going to get that MVP, but also look for um, Tyler Batty to be a baddie because he's a nice little Swiss Army knife, a nice little change of pace back. So I got him as a nice one-two punch, one-two, three punch uh, for the Broncos um, with Javante Williams and um, Samaji P. Ryan. I like the one, two, three punch. Yeah. There could be, uh, well, there is multiple guys who could possibly be the MVP of this room. I'm going to go with a out of the box choice. I'm going to go with Michael Burton, uh, the fullback, because he's going to allow this All room the way out the box. to be more successful. Is he going to have the most yards? Of course he's not. Is he going to have the most catches? No. But his input will not show up in the uh, stat column for himself, but it'll show up everywhere else in this offense. His input will show up in the output. There we go. It will show up for Russell Wilson when he's able to have a higher percentage of completed passes off of play action because their running game is out in there. When the fullback's on the field, you're going to get base personnel from the defense. They will be able to dictate the personnel package 
to the defense by having that guy on the field, which would then give Greg Dulcich a mismatch, a linebacker on the tight end, things like that. So his input, again, won't be in his stat column, but it'll show up everywhere else for this offense. Russell Wilson, the receivers, the tight ends, and particularly the running backs. All right, so you got Michael Burton. I'm going to go with you all. I think Samaji Piran is going to be the um, the leading back this year. He's going to have the most yards on the ground and probably the most catches as well. And this is a, a role he's not necessarily used to, but I don't think he'll be uncomfortable with it. He's the kind of guy who can do what he's asked to do um, because of his experience. And I just don't think Javante Williams is going to be ready. And I don't. And I think that's fine. That's fine. He's been cleared, but. I'm nervous, man. I'm nervous about the pressure being put on this kid. Um, intrinsically or ex- explicitly, implicitly, whatever it is, he's been cleared. He feels like he's got to be out there. And I just I just don't want him to rush it back. I don't want him to rush it back. Um, we talked about running backs and the way they get used up early. I think he has an opportunity. And tell me if I'm thinking of this right, guys. But if, if Javante Williams is able to kind of slow play this and not put as much tread on his tires, does that create more longevity for him as an individual player and a, and a greater opportunity to get a bigger contract when this when his rookie deal is up? No, because this is the National Football League. Injuries happen. That's the unfortunate part about this sport that we all love. But we all love the fact that we could be as physical as possible. So the only sport next to kind of MMA and and you know UFC where you go out there and people rant and rave and they will lose their mind for the biggest the the biggest hit that you could put on somebody, right? People love the highlights of this game. I don't think that anybody could create longevity in this sport, unfortunately, because it just takes one hit, and one hit could change and pivot your career, the trajectory. We look at what um, Demar Hamlin went through last year and him, the possibility of him playing back football this year. But um, for me, a guy that put like opened up my eyes and started creeping in those retirement thoughts, um, Ryan Shazier, when he got hit for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was a scary one, man. Yeah, so you, you look at this game, and, and yeah, you, you want longevity, and everybody's thought process that, man, I'm going to get 10 years in this league and all, until it's not. Up until six weeks before I retired, I thought that I was going out there to Washington to play a year out there, sign a next contract, go play at least two more years, get my 10 years. And six weeks later, after I get to Washington, I'm retiring. I'm saying I'm done. So this game is funny. It's humbling. But you you never really could just predict the future, unfortunately. I guess like my train of thought is that, you know, we were talking about how teams probably look at the literal number of carries that a running back has and decide when he's done mm-hmm. or when he's, you know, reached his threshold and when he's start declining. Javante Williams is clearly not on pace to do that very quickly. Yeah, you're it's a weird thing because your pride wants you to play as many snaps as you possibly can. Uh, but your your agent and your financial well-being would say, if there's a way you can limit your touches in your rookie year, if you don't start and you only come out of your rookie year with 90 carries, that's actually more financially beneficial than being the bell cow your rookie year and getting 250 or 300 carries. Yeah, so we'll see how this ends up playing out for Javante and the Broncos, but hopefully Javante is taking his time here and um, listening to his body, listening to his knee, and not listening to the the pressure from outside to get him on the field. You know, as a football player, your entire self-worth is what you do on the field. If you're not on the field, you feel like a failure. You just do. And there's no way around that. And so he has felt like a failure for the last year, even though he did nothing 
to deserve that. It's just part of the pressure and part of what makes the NFL so interesting, so unique, um, is that the pressure's on and the window closes very quickly, especially for running backs. Guys, we got our fan war room camp comeback special tomorrow at noon. That's tomorrow at noon from Brothers Barbecue off of I-25 in Arapaho. And right now, we're going to give away a $50 Brothers gift card to caller number 4, 303-713-1043. If you got a phone, pick it up right now. Call 303-713-1043 for a Brothers Barbecue gift card. All right, our very own Cecil Lammy wrote a very interesting article on denversports.com talking about three under-the-radar players to keep an eye on. We'll give you those next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Hold up, bro. What was that? You went and saw Barbie last night? And it was... <laughs> you don't want to talk about it. Yeah, my uh, wife wanted to watch Barbie last night, so that's what we ended up doing after the kids went down for bed. And the movie itself? Not a fan? Um, I thought it was okay. I thought there was better ways that I could have spent my two hours, but it was okay. That's what the wife wanted to do, so that's what we went and did. <laughs> right. Well, because my wife also wants to go see that. It's uh, supposed to be really good, like very woman empowering. And, you know, I've, I've had some friends who went and saw, saw it with their mother or their grandmother, and they walked out to, you know. Feeling phones. good about being a woman? Yes. You know, womanhood and all that stuff. Very, very empowered. Okay. Absolutely. I, I think... <laughs> The age group, though, of the movie is probably wrong. I, I think that it's more, you know, you, you got a five-year-old daughter, mom and daughter want to go to this thing, five to like 15. Right. You know, you got your 15-year-old daughter. Yeah, maybe. Maybe your, maybe your 16-year-old daughter, maybe your 17-year-old daughter, but 18, probably not. Like mm. the 18-year-old daughter and the 40-plus-year-old 40 mother. Probably not. It, um, but it's very great message. Very woman empowering. Um, love that type of message for the younger generation for sure. How does it make you feel about it to be a man though? Like, is it is it is it man bashing? Um, I, I didn't think it was man bashing. Um, anybody that knows anything about Barbies, uh, it, it was Barbie, <laughs> and then came along Ken, right? And uh, Ken was kind of like the the arm candy, but he, right. Ken didn't really do a lot of things, he and didn't. a lot of things weren't really made for Ken. Well, that's kind of the message that the movie sends as well. Who stole the show as far as the act actor in it? I heard Will Ferrell had a good. Was he in it? <laughs> yeah, Will Ferrell was in it, being typical Will Ferrell yeah. for sure. I, I love like the roles. Whatever role that you've ever seen Will Ferrell in, that's what you're going to get of, of Will Ferrell in the Barbie movie. Well, uh, appreciate you giving your insight, your your review of Barbie that you went and checked out last night. Um, all right, so Cecil Lammy wrote an article, denversports.com, called Three Under-the-Radar Prospects Every Bronco Fan Needs to Know. And I'm going to give you the guys these three players, and I want you to tell me which one you think is going to have the better training camp and possibly make the team. Okay? Okay. All right. He's got Taylor Grimes, wide receiver, undrafted out of Incarnate Word this year. Now, the tr- training camp battle with the receivers is going to be very intense. There's 12 guys uh, on this roster. I think all of them legitimately feel right now that if they have a good camp and you know they have a little luck that goes their way, they can find themselves on this 53-man roster. It's going to be a battle. Um, the last couple spots, five and six, they'll probably only keep six guys, have to play special teams, and they have to show that they are versatile. Um, so Taylor Grimes, undrafted out of Incarnate Word, that's the name of the school he went to. Um, 
Cecil believes he can make the 53-man roster. He was not one of the players I felt, this is Cecil talking about, would do that after the priority free agents were picked up. But after watching him this offseason, I feel better about that idea. Now, I think he's destined for the practice squad, but if Grimes flashes in the preseason, then the Broncos may not be able to sneak him through without another team plucking him away. He says Grimes is always open, and he catches everything thrown his way. This is not hyperbole. This is not just practice observations where he's running routes on air. This statement comes from watching him perform in one-on-one drills and team drills. Grimes uses his quickness to get open, and he understands how to set up defenders before he makes his break. Um, Okay, Christopher Allen, he's a linebacker. And Cecil says, don't forget about Christopher Allen. Undrafted out of Alabama in 2022, Allen was given the largest contract of any undrafted free agent last year. He was placed on injured reserve in August of 2022, and Allen spent the year recovering from the injuries that caused him to fall in the draft. Now he's ready to prove that not only should he have been drafted, but that he can be a playmaker in this league. Okay, last but not least, running back, and we missed this guy, and that's my fault, Jaleel McLaughlin. He's not even on the depth chart, but he's on the roster. And he's another undrafted player who Cecil believes is going to make a splash in camp. He suspects in preseason running back Jaleel McLaughlin is going to jump off the page. He's the all-time leading rusher in all of college football, all levels. And watching McLaughlin at Youngstown State was a joy from a fan's and evaluator standpoint. You're going to watch him at camp, but watch carefully because McLaughlin is so fast he can score from anywhere on the field. Guys, which of these th- three players, Chad, I'm going to start with you, do you think has the best shot of making this team? Okay. Uh, the four top receiver spots are already spoken for. Jer- uh, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, Corlin Sutton, Marvin Mims. So they're going to keep five or they're going to keep six. So that's the difficulty there. So th- your special teams play for Taylor Grimes is going to be critically important. For Christopher Allen, exactly the same thing. We got Baron Brown, we got Nick Benito, we got Randy Gregory, we got Jonathan Cooper. Where does Christopher Allen play in that? How well does he play on special teams? And for Jaleel, uh, what was the last name? McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Uh, the first two running back spots are sewed up. Javante Williams and Samaji Pirine. So I'm not sure what this kid can add in the third down game or what he adds on special teams because that's where his opportunity would be there. So I don't doubt Cecil's feeling that these are good football players. But when you are constructing a roster, it's more than just how good of a running back or wide receiver or linebacker are you, when you're the third guy on the on, on the depth chart, how well do you play on special teams? What is your special team's contribution? And sometimes, rooms are so jam-packed, you gotta let good players go. So, if I'm forced to answer this question, I'll go with Jaleel just because as a running back, there's an opportunity to slide in there where maybe Tony Jones Jr. or Tyler Batty can't get it done. He can be the third guy if he proves himself on special teams. Mm. How about you, O? Which one of these boys do you think can make it? I think Christopher Allen, because he's going to get such a unique opportunity, right? You look at the depth chart, Baron Brown, and he's, we know that he is already starting off training camp and he's not able to go. Well, behind Baron Brown now is Frank Clark. Frank Clark's a little bit older. Behind Frank Clark is Nick Benito. Nick Benito, a little bit smaller of a guy, right? Who had trouble last year setting the edge. So I think Christopher Allen's going to get a unique opportunity where he could show his skill set against the third offensive line, but also show that I have earned the reps to now get some reps against the second group offensive line. I've earned the reps to might even get into the rotation with that first unit and create something. I don't think any of these outside linebackers should be viewed as, hey, they're going to go out here and play 90% of the snaps each and every game. I think it's 
it's got to be a strong rotation for Vance Joseph's defense this year at the outside linebacker position. So when I look at Christopher Allen and who's in front of him, I think it's just quicker opportunities for him to really show that, hey, I belong out here in the NFL. I belong on the field. But, hey, now I could hold my own if I get an opportunity to run with the twos or maybe even a couple reps with the ones. I agree with you. I think Christopher Allen probably has the best chance because, for me, it's special teams. I mean, this guy's 6'4", 242 pounds, a good special teams body. Typically, linebackers are good on special teams. They're used to tackling. They're used to tracking ball carriers. 90 guys on this roster right now, only 45 will suit up on game day. So that's really just half of these guys are actually going to be playing on game days. And when you are suiting up 45 guys... Every one of those guys has to play. Every one of those guys has to contribute in some way. And you're absolutely right, Chad. It's not just about, you know, if you're running back trying to make this roster, it's not just about how well you run the ball if Javante Williams and Samaji P. Ryan are ahead of you because you're not going to probably take carries from them. Correct. So what else can you do? Same with Taylor Grimes. What else can you do, Taylor Grimes? Um, you may be a really good route runner and catch everything, but are you going to jump ahead of Marvin Mims Jr., by the way, who is the first pe- pick of Sean Payton's tenure here? Um, that's what he's going to be tasked with trying to accomplish, by the way, is to stand out more than Marvin Mims and become that slot receiver um, guy. Who maybe, Can he return punts? Can he return kicks? What else can Taylor Grimes do? So I, I, I'm going to go with Christopher Allen as the, the best shot to make this team, specifically because of training camp. All right, before we get out of here, guys, it's going to be hot. It's going to be hot during training camp. Did you guys care about the weather? Did you? What, what's your ideal training camp weather, Chad? It's always been hot every every year during training camp. I've never had a cool training camp. When we uh, practiced in Seattle in Eastern Washington University, the weather was very similar to here, dry and hot. It wasn't cool like it is in Seattle. In Pittsburgh, it was hot and humid. So you guys didn't do it in Seattle. Yeah, in New England, it was hot and humid. No. Man. Yeah. Do you think that makes you tough? Dealing with the elements and pushing through it. There are going or do you, to, or do you are you are you a follow the science guy? There is a there is going to be an opportunity in the in the month of September for you to play a scorching hot game. Yep. I, I've played in Arizona on opening day. I've played in Miami on opening day, and the weather was certainly a factor. So to be toughened by a hot training camp was beneficial for those teams that I played on. What about you? Oh, you like it hot? Um, honestly, I've never really paid attention to the weather. Wait, coming from University of Miami, those are some hot days, right? So, oh, yeah. when I once I got to the NFL, I felt like it just became easier. Whether it was here with, in Denver or while I was playing with the Chargers, it, it never really affected me in the National Football League versus when I was in college for four years. Yeah, I feel like it's just kind of tradition. You got to you got to sweat in the summer heat, and it, and it brings you closer together. Going through something brutal together makes you stronger. No pain, no gain. You know who likes it hot? Stokely and Zach. They're next.